Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO, the show that brings you the most fascinating and really the most helpful leaders in the business community from all around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business. And this very All Hallows' Eve, my friend, when the spirits of our own creations do breathe abroad and make reach to swarm within our souls, you and I are going to bravely face the terra incognita of ghoulies, ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and of artificial intelligence. What dangers and delights for us lurk in the shadows of futuristic devices? Well, by heaven's good graces, we have here as our Virgil to help us take measure of us humans and our tacit scourge with all our intelligent devices. Uh, we have the uh, an old friend, a financial attorney, uh, human nature guru, author of an absolutely marvelous zoology of dangerous businessmen, uh, Mr. Lou Letterman. So whether you are a director of an entrepreneurial jump jump start organization seeking to help new businesses seeking to help new businesses take wing and uh like Catherine or you're a financial planner seeking hard to help hard working uh, executives glide into a well compensated afterlife like Marty pull up your chair a little closer partake of our feast of wisdom all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish so in the realms of artificial intelligence uh, let's invite some truly homegrown intelligence from Ottawa, Canada. Lou, I'm so glad that you could return to our our show and uh, spread some of your insights that are also nicely iced with uh, perceptive humor. Well, thank you, Bart. Quite an introduction. <laughs> well, I uh, you are a man of, of many talents, and uh, so I thought I, I we should you'd be the perfect one for artificial intelligence. And Lou, we, we really dwell in a Valhalla of machines and digital devices, and a lot like blind men groping the elephants. We, we employ them, but we really don't understand them, but vaguely. And now some of our, our most complex, if not profound, minds are equipping these uh, machines with supposedly independent decision-making. But they're still our tools, aren't they? I mean... Do we really have anything to fear from them? Short answer is yes, Bart. Um, okay. <laughs> some of them, uh, they should be our tools. They should be our servants. Some mm-hmm. are becoming or have become our masters already, and they don't have a conscience. Ah, ah. And uh, unlike uh, so many of the Homo sapiens, almost, I don't know, 50%. But, uh, well, now, Lou, I, I've heard you comment that most of the artificial intelligence that gets imbued into our various devices, uh, cars, phones, the whole works, is coming from folks favoring one particular side of the brain. Uh, wh- which one, and, and what does that mean? Well, this is this is the the really big idea, Bart. Uh, we should tell the, the listeners that both you and I are left-handed, as well as being Presbyterians, but it's the left-handed part that counts. Um, it, I was well into my 30s before I realized, having read a book, 
that left-handers predominantly use the right hemisphere of the brain. Now, we've all got two hemispheres, left and right, but 90% of the population um, predominantly use the left, which is the side that keeps you from driving your cars into trees. It's causation Uh logic. The other side is intuition logic, and that's where you get a whole lot of metaphor and stuff. And computers seem to have been built mostly on the model mimicking the left side of the brain. It's confusing because left side of the brain people use their right hand. I mean, you'd think you could be a little more consistent. But that's the point, and it's a question of balance. (laughs) Mm. Well, what... uh Based on that, what are they? What does is a predominantly left-lobed fellow uh, or lass going to do uh, imbue in his machine that that uh, if he used the right, he might not uh, he might not be putting there. Well, if he used the right, he'd put limits and things on there. Uh, even the European Union, bless them, admit mm-hmm. that. Um, the current computers cannot be programmed to put in the so-called Asimov's first law. The first law by Isaac Asimov a number of years ago says, a robot, a computer, shall not harm a human or through inaction allow a human to come to harm. This is the whole conscience side of humanity. Everybody's got the two hemispheres. The trick is to use a little bit more of the one you're not using at the moment. And so... Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. That's sort of that's it, very well put, by the way. The your your idea of saying to use the one you're not using at the moment. Not you. You notice uh, Lou did not say one is better, one is not, but uh, rather both of them working together <laughs> makes a whole human being. I'm glad you said that. Well, we've all got them, eh? And the trick is to. Right, uh, yeah. I mean, if you get this immense potential, why not use it? And then have yeah, the computer yeah. mimic the better part of people. Ah, okay, that's excellent. Well, with that sort of teasingly tasteful nosh at today's Feast of Wisdom, allow me now to uh, fulfill my duties as proper host and lay before you a few utensils for furthering our feast. And the first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you remember all those lines and things that made you laugh, or will you continue to remember only those wrongs that others done to you have done to you? Well, the choice, my friend, is truly yours. As a second utensil, I can sense everybody and you yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter. So let's take a scriptural recitation from the 102 Best Business Quips book. And let's see. Oh, okay, here we go. Here we go. This is, this, this is appropriate. Uh, this is number 62. We can learn a lot from computers. Any device that convinces its operators to routinely accept b- the blame for its own errors is really worthy of great study. <laughs> and as an afterthought, you know, computers' fine art of blame transference is seldom matched anywhere, except perhaps in the case of children who have been able to convince their parents that all their flaws are mom and dad's fault. I don't know how that works, but they do it. Anyway, um, have you noticed that, Lou? Oh, of course. I mean, um, as I say to my wife when our uh, streaming 
of movies goes on the fritz, I say, aren't we glad we don't have a robot driving our car, dear? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And there's a danger lurking in the hearts, loins, and livers, and uh, not not too thick skulls of men. Um, anyway, if you smirk a bit over that quip, uh, we've got them literally by the books full. Just visit BartsBooks.com, pick up your copy of 102 or 101 Best Business Quips, and you will have a quiver full of really fine arrows for all your fellow wage slaves to uh, chuckle over at work. And as a third utensil, uh, we sumptuously spoon out to you the answer to last week's business quotation. That is, the name of the author who noted... Nothing sedates rationality like large doses of effortless money. (laughs) And they were spoken, not surprisingly, by one of the world's richest uh, self-made men, Mr. Warren Buffett. So stick with us, because later on in the show, Blurting Your Way, will come another enriching quotation. And if you are among the knowledgeable souls uh, who know the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be, to send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. And if you're correct, your knowledge will earn you a cerebrally swelling gift, fresh from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. So now, with utensils in hand, turn back with me to the financial solutions attorney and sage human commentator, Lou Letterman, as we determine whose intelligence is artificial, ours or our creations. Now, Lou, uh, before we go right in, you're, you're an attorney, and you've added your considerable expertise in the fields of finance and business and politics, and you've served on several boards, and you're about the only person I can imagine capable of writing the book, Watch Out, He Bites, A Zoology of Dangerous Business Monsters. So I, I am, I'm wondering... It, where are you now waving your wand or pl- plunging your dagger currently? What's uh, what's up with you right now? Well, I've, uh, I'm waltzing a little bit with class actions. Um, ah. I'm uh, little guys against the big. Um, mm-hmm. I have testified in banking cases. Um, mm. I, uh, I've written things on banking and... and uh, you know, when I mentioned earlier that, uh, that to a degree computers are right now some of our masters, uh, if you go back to J.P. Morgan, he said he loaned based on character. But now the computers are requiring the central banks and they're requiring the chartered and commercial banks that, to loan based on collateral, but based on algorithms. Uh, we've taken oh the whole my. human judgment out of banking and it's now been passed over to computers. And uh, my bank manager is a wonderful fellow, but all the decisions are taken in Toronto by computers. That's, that is both sad and frightening. And it's, I think the sad part, in my own opinion, comes in that, that it's something that is so easily correctable, but we are scared not to. Uh, well, you know, you now I know that you have, perhaps with some core inspiration of Isaac Asimov, as you've mentioned, you yourself have penned a human bill of rights uh, in 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 our, in our machine-based besieged world. So, uh, could you tell us, just sort of, take us briefly through the spirit of your bill, and and tell us why you deem it to be so proactively necessary? Well. Um... I'm not going to read it at you line for line. Let me tell you (laughs) that it's essentially about control and respect. 
And Asimov, I've told you, said that uh, a machine should not injure a human or through inaction allow a human to come to harm. But um, some of the other things it says, after a whole lot of whereases, I mean, you always have whereases, um, <laughs> that the machine should operate under human supervision for human benefit. Uh, mm. It should not make judgments on or give orders to humans. I mean, sometimes when you're on the phone to call centers, you don't know if you're talking to a person or a machine, eh? And you know it's a machine when they keep you in a loop and they they won't let you go. (laughs) Um, um, Or they tell the same jokes one that I'm quite fond of. One of them is a machine may not act oppressively or disrespectfully to a human. And the final one is is that if other machines try to entice it to do what it shouldn't, it's to blow the whistle on them. Ah. Golly, I did that nine years ago. My gosh. Well, this is this. Uh, of course, without uh, if 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 everyone did obey these Bill of Rights, then we never would have had Terminator and Arnold uh, flexing his biceps at such magnificent profits. Uh, but it it does sort of seem to be something that haunts us. And uh, you just talked about giving orders, and here is this bank giving. Uh, marching orders to to bankers and uh will this i assume the same thing could be uh happening to a certain extent in the military to generals and uh it's a and where human life is uh, uh placed on the on the line it uh, it is you're right it is it is a scary thing i uh moving away to sort of where it comes from uh the former head of Hewlett Packard's artificial intelligence lab who was at the time 23, uh, rather insightfully noted to me that God created man in his own image because he had little else to work with, and so do we with our own machines so and our own creation. So, so how do you see us replicating our cerebral abilities or any other gray matter talents for that matter? How are we replicating these in our machines as you see it? Well, uh Number one, as, as we discussed a little bit before, um, even left-handers don't know that they use predominantly the right side of the brain, so it's not surprising that right-handers don't know it. And they use the only model they've got, which is their own. A leads to B leads to C leads to D, and if you can't find E, you make it up. That's one of the secrets, you make it up. Um, but <laughs> there's whether it's Frankenstein or, or, or the Terminator or... Uh, that sort of thing, Space Odyssey 2001, um, you've got uh, almost you've got mankind thinking he, he or she can usurp God, which is never a particularly yeah. good idea, I think. Um, yeah. I think the trick is to, <laughs> is to um, try and use your brains to, uh, to put in some balance. And I'm, I'm, one of my great heroes is Abraham Lincoln, who quoted the better angels of our natures. And I think we always have to aspire to that, whether it's in developing our own brains, because I think that's quite exciting and I would call it a great adventure, but then trying to, to mimic that uh, in, the, in the artificial sphere, because if the go- both, if the good guys don't do it, the bad guys will, and we have to be a step or two ahead of them. Right, I that's that's really true. Uh, it, it's just one other case in uh, letting evil triumph by neglect, and I think that this is something you know the the people have to 
the individual inventors as well as the mass of people believing in uh, the better part of our natures and the angels of our natures that uh, this is something worth not just uh, taking to heart, but setting out and making sure other people know it. I, I'm going to ask you one other thing uh, before we before we break, and that is because I I've totally forgotten it, and you told me where did the term robot first originate? Well, based on the stuff I've read, it, 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 there was a Czech um, a, a Czech playwright named Carol Kapek who wrote a play around 1923 called Rossum's Universal Robots. And in the end, the robots overthrew humanity. Not a particularly sort of optimistic play. But it shows, it goes back to a fear that, that has been haunting us for the ages, doesn't it? And, uh, and it's, I don't know, it's something that, that uh, we never quite seem to get rid of. And, and all how, every Hallow's Eve... Uh, as as we progress, our own creations seem to be what come come back to haunt us more than anything. And uh, so I think, well, anyway, with our sense of humor and our sense of for uh, of fear uh, all coming to a peak here, I think it's time to take a gentle pause and partake of a brief sorbet from our feast of wisdom, and introduce you to the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that company is this day Leadership USA. It's a company which is really very wisely devoted to unleashing human potential, which is what we're talking about. Uh, imagine, if you will, that you're sitting at a table with the top business masters. I mean the real players. These are the ones who receive literally blight checks from Fortune 100 CEOs uh, from across the globe and continue this sort of mentoring fantasy. And Imagine that you're in a special club where these, these mentors come to you and the world profit-making folks, uh, they come to your whole staff, they share their wisdom in nice-sized half-day seminars. And all that productive training is rolled out for your team for less than the cost of a local Chamber of Commerce session. All these sages form, are formed into one faculty, and you as a club member get to select which one comes and which one helps your business in the way you'd like. The club is Leadership USA. That's what they're doing for you and your firm. And so if you would like yourself and your whole team to find some career fulfillment, uh, if you are in the New York area, there's a New uh, York chapter starting, uh, and you're invited on December 12th to uh, come and meet the players, see these faculties, see, and seize the opportunity of this sort of leadership training. If uh, you can just come to, uh, well, write this, write this station at info at bartsbooks.com, or and if you want to find out more about Leadership USA, just write, just go to visit the website Leadership USA. Biz. And speaking of enlightening minds, uh, why do we not uh, turn to both levity and levitating uh, your own good mind as we back with Lou Letterman as he explains to us a little bit more about artificial intelligence, where it's going, and who is, what kind of minds are driving it. Um, Lou, in, in the Louisville plant, the Ford Motor Company has employed 700 robots to assemble the Ford Escape. And they do everything from welding to, to uh, painting. But they also have taken over the quality, that is the final 
quality inspection of the uh, of each individual auto. In other words, these machines inspect for quality, not humans. Um, what's slipping away from us here? I mean, is this is this something we should be worried about, or just worried about it within our cars? Well, I think obviously you've got real people doing the jobs, and you have to be concerned to make sure there's proper transitions for them when their jobs um, disappear and go to uh, to robots. I would I would distinguish between robots that are automatons, that are essentially right. people, or at least that was a Freudian slip. Automatons that, <laughs> that take information, they sort it and they sift it, and they deal with it according to to, to um, um, algorithms, programs. Um, and they can do it faster. This is one of the things computers can do. They can do things faster um, and a whole lot of things simultaneously, which humans aren't um, set up to do. Um, and so um, the trick is to get humans doing the things that they do best and let the machines do the drudge work and work that requires the sorting and sifting. There was a thing I saw on TV a while ago. It's, it was a, a robot made up like a female robot. I think it was uh, Japanese made. And it looked at yeah. the screen and it said, uh, not only am I smarter than you, but I will live forever. Well, uh, <laughs> number one, if they've only got half a brain, because that's all they can have, current programming-wise, and number two, anybody, I'm on my fourth or fifth laptop, uh, they all sort of self-destruct at a certain point and need, so I'm not so sure that a lot of uh, the machines are going to be lasting forever. Um, yeah. So the, you know, that... Well, you're, I think you're right in that. Always had it, uh... Go ahead. No, we've always had automatons. I mean, they go back to you know, weaving machines and player pianos and 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 so forth. Uh, the trick is, can the machine actually think? And when you get into the thinking, to what degree can it mimic what humans do? And my point is, at the moment, they're programmed to mimic things that the left hemisphere uh, of the brain does, which is causation and so forth. But but the the right side is where you've got your compassion, where you've got your metaphor, and you know one can be simplistic about it. It's it's not as easily said as that, but that tends to be the way it goes. And so, yeah, yeah. if you can balance the human hemispheres, it can be not a bad mimic mimic for the um, for the machine hemispheres. Well, I th I think you're right. I mean, we have always wanted the automaton to do what it does well. If you go back to the Iliad, the god, uh, Homer writes this great scene about how the god Hephaestus at the forge has these automatons working at them, and they would even go out and make deliveries of, of shields and swords and so forth to the gods themselves, and they were able to do that. And that, uh, that is seen as, as a great delight and uh, no threat. But I think it, there is something a little bit uh, dangerous here in that science, when you work with science, you have a, uh, a tool, science is a tool that is an excellent for measuring quantity. It is incapable of measuring quality, uh, just like, uh, you know, I mean, a wrench makes a really bad hammer, uh, but that doesn't mean that, that fools don't try to use wrenches for hammers all the time. And I think this is what we've done. Would you, I mean, I feel that we have taken um, a problem, and we're trying to re 
we're trying to force fit the all the elements of that problem of that complex problem into uh, a binary yes no if this then that if this then that and so therefore generals can give marching orders based on an algorithm and it is is this not sort of a force fitting into uh, the wrong tool as you see it Sure. I mean, if all you've got to hammer, you think of all your problems as nails. Um, and right. you don't even look for the inspirations. Um, one of the things I came across on the Internet is Einstein's letter to uh, FDR in 1939, essentially saying, uh, this uranium stuff is important. Uh, it may be used for bombs. We should start and talk about it. And that led to the Manhattan Project. Um, well, I haven't. You have to have uh, some catalyst some leadership, and so there's Einstein, a scientist, and the industry side talking to the government side, and the world is small. A friend of mine's father worked on the Manhattan Project way back when, mm-hmm. and we were only a little bit ahead of the Germans, which is the scary mm-hmm. part. But you mentioned yes, well, uh, uh, the Iliad. Uh, let me give you the inspiration part, because I came across okay. the poem Ulysses by Lord Tennyson. And gee oh, yes. I mean, you know, why I didn't get this in school, I don't know, but I keep looking. And it ends up by uh, by saying, come, my friends, it's not too late to seek a newer world, blah, 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 to strive to seek, to find, and not to yield. I mean, heavens to Betsy. That's why I think we need chief inspiration officers for all companies. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's that's really true. And there's a... So, uh, so Lou, what's the difference between inspiration and motivation? Because I hear motivation in business all the time. What's the difference? Gee whiz. Uh, well, inspiration uh, tends to be sort of a eureka-like moment, uh, little epiphanies, mm-hmm. to use another E. Uh, it's, right. it's a momentary <laughs> insight into some special knowledge. Uh, motivation is uh, is you know sticking at it uh, and right. doggedness and determination and showing up on time even if you don't want to and also right. you know making a profit is a pretty good motivation. I always thought that capitalism yeah. was a pretty good idea. Um, yeah. And so um, that's why I would have um, capitalists in some sort of arrangement with government. Uh, to do some guiding so that you know you've got profit inspiring people to compete with each other and and uh, right. uh, come up with a better mousetrap uh, but at the same time um, you've got the public good and you know we see in the papers and on TV all these scary hackers and heavens to Betsy the West oh, yeah. the capitalist West must have smarter people than those characters surely we could be able to deal with them and shut them down Yes. Oh, at least yeah. I tell my wife we, that. We, uh, well, we did. We did have a fellow. Uh, uh, Al Berkeley came on and said that they had found a way to encrypt uh, stock transactions on the fly, so that the hackers can. Uh, it's, it's impossible to draw, throw a net over the entire stock exchange, but you can encrypt everything from the instant it, the trade comes in. It, it gets encrypted and drops into storage, whereas most, which is where most things get hacked anyway. And so, yes, it, it's a, uh, 
you know, we do have smarter minds than that. I think you're absolutely right. But I also think the idea you you talked about the relationship of government with human uh, with capitalism. I think if it's a nice um, if it's a nice blend of what's of both, and the, the public servant shouldn't be for endlessly at war with the capitalists. I, I wrote a quip once that said. Uh, a really good leader can inspire his men to scrabble up over the wall. And a good manager is the one who can make sure that ladders are all put in the right place. And what I'm saying now is, do they do they really have to be separate people? Can you not well, have Well, we government want a, a few and checks and balances, which was one of the great inventions of the American Constitution. But... Um, but you know, Peter Drucker started as a, th- a theologian of all things. And I find he's another one of my great heroes. I mean, he talks about integrity. He talks about uh, all that sort of stuff, which translates whether it's uh, the government side or it's the private sector side. Uh, that's a common denominator. And if you're a leading person, you're a leading person. Yeah, yeah. I th- that's true. Lou, I, I'd love to go on with this, but I, I, I'm getting hit on the shoulder here, and they, and they say I, I've got to, to move along. So, uh, Lou, if, if rational folks, uh, or many of their rational friends, they want to get in touch and avail themselves of your services, uh, your ability to bring folks together, solve legal disputes, and get a little touch of human wisdom, how can folks get in touch with you? They can phone me. That's the easiest way. Uh, and uh-huh. get your pencils ready, folks. 613-277-7617. Okay. It's my mobile. I answer it if I can hear it. All right. <laughs> Which I think puts you at the upper 2%. Lou, thanks so <laughs> much for coming on the show today. It has been a kick. It, no. As always, it's so great to have you around. Uh, thank you, Bert. It's always you. a pleasure. So, as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation, appropriately for this All Hallows' Eve, who said, do one thing every day that scares you. <laughs> and a hint, uh, as a hint, well, the, the, for this American first lady became the president's legs, traveling the nation and spreading hope in a very depressed era. And so if you know the author of this quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely career-igniting gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, when a wise person sees a ghost, she gets scared and seeks solace from her own rational mind. When a fool sees a ghost, he stays scared and seeks solace in the promises of comfort from others. And to you gleefully sharing our feast, I hope that you've enjoyed the Art of the CEO show as much as Lou and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember, you may download this and all of our shows at theartoftheceo.com. And finally, to you who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you.